is a pleasure to be here uh, with you. Uh, it's been a busy week, and uh, great uh, stuff happened in the church, and of course our family getting settled. Uh, so I'm thrilled that we can be a part of uh, West Lynchburg Baptist Church in this Lynchburg area, and we uh, just trust the Lord to do some great things. I was at um, uh, Liberty University this week a, a couple of times with uh, Wyatt and Everett, um, Abby, and and just uh, recruiting some students for the CSER uh, opportunities, but also just, uh, you know, I don't know what the rules are, what you're there, but I was just going to promote the church and say, you, you don't have to do a CSER, you can just come to our church. It'd be great. We'd love to have you if you believe the Bible or you just want to know more about God. Why not come to West Lynchburg? It's a very loving place. You have a great reputation in your community, by the way. As I've walked around and just talked to people, I'm new in the area, so I can get away with this. Hey, I'm new in the area. Do you know any good churches? You know, uh, you know anything about West Lynchburg, and uh, I've heard some good things here and there, so which is uh, it's encouraging to me, um, uh, just as a pastor here. Um, I get to frequent the various restaurants around here uh, within walking distance because I believe in connecting with people around here, and I believe Dr. Putt was the same way uh, as he uh, connected with people that live and, and work in this area. I uh, got to meet uh, one of our neighbors uh, when we first moved in, and, and she was so sweet and brought us a casserole. Uh, she says, you got a lot of kids, you probably need a lot of food. Um, amen. But um, anyway, so I, I am uh, physically exhausted. We had a great time yesterday moving so many things, and uh, it was definitely better together. Let me pick up on the theme of this series. It was better together because it took our family about a week to pack the truck. It took uh, uh, the men and women yesterday about two and a half hours, uh, and that included a, about 40 boxes of books that are now in my office that I can barely navigate my office now, but I'll be working on that this week. Uh, you can come for a tour in about a month <laughs> once I get those unpacked, which would be great. So I'd love for you to come in there. And, and, and just so you know, I, you know, I'm a pretty approachable guy. If you ever think, oh, I don't, can I ever talk to him? Uh, just about anything, baseball, spiritual stuff, you know, whatever, just come to my office. I have set up my office in such a way that I'm working with a small credenza that's very intentional. I don't need a lot of room to work on a computer and a few books. Uh, the bigger the desk, the more the, the mess, so I simplify, minimize, and just put a few things out there, and then when I can turn around, we're going to have a, a, like a living room setting. You're invited into my living room that's right in my office. We'll have, we have a couch. We've got a chair. We'll get another one. I'll put a little coffee table in the middle, and we can sit around and drink hot tea or coffee or whatever your preference is. Um, if you want to bring something, hey, you can share it with me if you stop at Starbucks and can afford that. So um, that'd be great. But that's just kind of the welcoming environment I prefer because I want to not talk over a desk. I want to talk to you and connect with you. This is my, uh, my personal style, uh, my pastoral style, and I just want to, you know, I, am, I have a title of pastor, but I am just a follower of Christ just like you. We're all equal in the family of God. Do you understand that? So let's just be brothers and sisters in Christ and get to know one another. We worked hard yesterday, but I thought it would be appropriate today. I've given you my theology of work, not expanded, but a little bit, but I'm going to give you my theology of rest because we certainly need some rest. And so if you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. I'm just going to deal just a little bit uh, here in verse uh, 28 through 30. Uh, actually, I'll read some of the context starting at verse 25. But open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. And I want to just talk about what it means if we're better together, and that's kind of the overarching um, uh, series theme I want to know what it means not just to thrive together, which we were talking about last week with Romans chapter 12, verse 12, but what does it mean to rest together? I don't know if you've ever heard a, a passage of, of Scripture or you know, heard a sermon on rest, but certainly, is there anybody here in need of some rest? 
Some of you, uh, don't start your resting now, just pay attention. In a, <laughs> this afternoon, take a Sunday afternoon nap or something, you know. But we need rest. Our bodies were built for rest, we're made for rest. We work hard. My favorite Bible verse in the Bible, I, the first one I at least memorized, was Colossians 3.23. Now, when I was uh, 15 years old, I had a youth worker say, you ought to start memorizing Scripture. I had never really read the Bible, but, but that youth worker said, you ought to memorize Scripture. And, and, uh, and she knew my work ethic because I'm, I'm just a hard worker. I'm kind of addicted to busy. I need to kind of repent of some of that. But I, I work really hard, and I, and I just want to put my all into something. She said, you ought to uh, memorize Colossians 3, 23, 24. And at that time, I was reading the Living Bible. Good paraphrase, not an actual translation, but it was certainly helpful in my immaturity of reading and understanding the Bible. So in Colossians 3, 23, 24, uh, in the Living Bible, as I memorized it back when I was 15 years old, work hard and cheerfully at all that you do as though you're working for the Lord and not merely your master's, knowing that it is he who will pay you your full portion of all he owns. So if I was frustrated working in my home, frustrated working at uh, uh, whatever part-time job I had, frustrated you know, as I'm mowing lawns for people as well, now, realize when people, um, maybe your boss or, or someone who's an authority over you is not all that kind, realize that every time you put effort into anything, you are working for the Lord. So give your best. It is an act of worship when we work. So I don't know what situation you're in. You've got frustrating days, but realize God has called you where you are, whether you're just a student or you're, you're a part-time worker, or you're a homemaker, or you're a doctor, lawyer, or whatever position you have, God has placed you there intentionally. So don't think, I'm working for that professor, or I'm doing this job for this person. No, you're working for the Lord because God has enabled you to work and give it all. But he's also called you to rest. There's many, many aspects of rest, and let me just kind of walk, uh, walk us right into this. In Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 25, if you'll look down at that passage. It says, at that time, which by the way, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. If you have a different translation, it's a little worded a little different. Um, uh, I think this is a good translation, but you know what the best translation is? The one you read. Because the one that collects dust on the shelf is of no value to anyone. And so I always tell people that. They always try to say, well, which version should I read? Just whichever one you will. I think there are some that are a little more uh, accurate to the original text, you know, Greek and Hebrew. But honestly, I am not going to be the person who's going to say, if you don't read from that translation, you're not doing well. If you wanted the King James only guy, I'm not the guy, but I love the King James. If you like the New American Standard because it's one of the most wooden, accurate translations out there, great. Read from that. I love to study for the New American Standard. If you're a New King James person, fantastic. If you read the NIV, that's great. Just read the Bible. God has inspired His Holy Word. Now, if you want to be a, a, you know, an excellent student, go ahead and learn Greek and Hebrew and have classes with, with Wyatt because he can teach you all of that stuff. I can read it. I just can't pronounce it. So don't make fun of me. Even though I know sometimes when I'll say Greek words... I remember, well, you guys don't know how to say it either, so it doesn't matter. Um, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. I found that it's uh, very uh, accessible to people, um, and uh, you can certainly buy copies of it everywhere. All right, so at the time Jesus declared, this is verse 25, at that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Talk about how simple it can be. 
Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then he says in verse 28, a great verse you ought to memorize in your heart. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, what does it say in your translation? Rest. So we're all on the same page. I will give you rest. Come. There's an invitation here that is very powerful for us, that he says, come and rest. There's a lot of people who will call you and say, hey, would you come and work? <laughs> will you come over and help me move something? Hey, I need some help with this. And, and come and work. Here, Jesus doesn't say, hey, would you come just work for me? No, he tells you first, come to me because you're worked out. And I will give you rest. You may think about coming to Jesus for salvation often. You may think about coming to him for forgiveness or coming to Jesus for wisdom. But how often have you considered coming to Jesus for rest? You need rest. You were created to work and to rest. And it's rest for your soul that you need the most. I mean, right now, to who... Or to where, to what do you run to for rest? You know, the, the Old Testament concept of sabbatical or, or, you know, is very important. A, a Sabbath rest, or Sabbath, there's sabbatical. It means to pull away. In Leviticus chapter 25, the Lord instructed the Hebrews that um, every seven years they ought to let a uh, portion of that land rest. Lay fallow. Don't do anything with it. Give it time to re be replenished. How many of you would love a vacation? Some people got away from the beach. How would you guys love a vacation? What if I told you, you know, your employer tomorrow is going to tell you, well, maybe you have tomorrow off. All right, Tuesday, when you go to your employer to, uh, on Tuesday, they're going to say, hey, we're going to give you seven and a half weeks of vacation. How many of you would be just overjoyed over that? Absolutely. But you realize that the Lord has instructed you and given you a gift of seven and a half weeks a year of Sabbath rest called Sunday. Fifty-two days a year, he says, stop working. Sit back and replenish not only your physical strength, but your spiritual strength, your emotional strength, your mental strength. Just pause. And how often do we violate that? Because, you know what, we've been so busy all week, why as well pour on more on Sunday. And God has given us a gift that we violate. We waste the opportunity to soak in the rest. We ought to take our theology of rest more intentionally. Come to me, all who labor in heavy laden, I will give you rest what Jesus promises here is so much deeper and more essential than physical rest. Jesus offers a spiritual rest, and sometimes our greatest need is not physical rest. Some of us probably need a little more physical activity. Sometimes you're sitting in a chair too long, especially during this quarantine time, and perhaps you're working from home, and you, know, you get up uh, you know, from your bed, and you, you walk down to the kitchen, you know, and, and maybe you still have your PJs on. You walk over to your computer, and that's as much physical activity. Perhaps you used to get like 10,000 steps a day, and now you're getting 25. That's not good. Physical activity, we need rest from, but that's much easier to recover from than the spiritual, mental, emotional drain that we put ourselves under, and we don't. Unplug and rest. 
Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Not overworked muscles, typically. It's an overworked mind, an overworked spirit. When life is too much and you're overwhelmed, life is crashing in, you feel the weight of the world. When you focus on the storm more than you focus on the Savior who's willing to give you rest, to take it from you and to give you his holiness and peace. You know, we need peace with God. We were at enmity with God. We're, we're at division with God. Ron, I'm trying to see your face too up there. I'm looking. You know, I, I'm trying to navigate these bars. It's kind of new for me. That's why I'm staying up here a little bit better uh, today. Plus, I'm tired. I don't want to move so much. <laughs> I'm sore. But <clears throat> we consider... Um, the, the strain that we put ourselves under sometimes, and, and, and we just don't realize that God has given us a rest, and we don't have to carry the weight. We don't have to control everything. You know what? Realizing that we don't control much in this life anyway. We do what we can do, but we have to just trust the Lord with the results, yes? We think, oh, I've got my 2020 planned out. I know exactly what's going to happen. Well, that was obliterated. For some of you, the greatest gift you had, and unfortunately COVID has been detrimental to so many lives, but for some of you, it hasn't impacted you physically, but he has actually, God has made you slow down, reevaluate. Perhaps you started having dinner together with your family, or, or you know, you just, you got up and you go, I don't know what I'm going to do today, and perhaps God's just saying, nothing, try that. If you're like I am, I'm addicted to busy, I, I can't sit home very long, I got to go do something, but you know what the Lord has done to me so many times? He just, sometimes it's through a physical ailment, like I had a gallbladder up several years ago and I could do nothing for a week. It's just rest, meditate, read, talk to the people in your, your sphere. You don't have to be on the internet or on the phone all the time. Rest, rest in his presence. How many of you have ever had a time of solitude where just for an hour or two you did nothing, you did no talking, you did no listening, you were just in a room and perhaps meditating upon God? I got away back uh, in December, pre-COVID, but I just knew in my own spirit, God was doing some stuff in my own heart and mind and my family, and I'm just, I, God, I, I need to be able to focus on what you're saying to me, and I just don't know. And I asked Jennifer, I said, you know, I, I, is it all right if I get away for a few days? Certainly, there's, there's always things going on in our family, and it's anytime I'm away, that puts more pressure on her, you know, to, to navigate all these things. And I said, I, I just need to get away, and, and the Lord had kind of presented to me a, an opportunity to go to... Um, uh, somebody is house in North Georgia that they, they have a home. I'd never heard of it, but uh, they have a home and they got like, I don't know, a lot of bedrooms and they just like to provide that for pastors who need a little sabbatical, a little time away. Similar to what you guys do up at Eagle Irie. We don't have an Eagle Irie like that uh, down in Georgia. We got camps, but they charge a lot of money. Um, and so I, I called this couple. They had one particular week that worked out perfect. It was the first week of December. I said, I just need to come for about you know, three days if I can just get away. Uh, the couple was so nice. They were from Switzerland originally, but they were living in North Georgia. And uh, I walked in. The lady said, hey, we can have as much interaction with you or as little as you want. Here's the coffee station. You know, here's our refrigerator. You know, if we need to order anything, just let us know. And I said, I probably, I don't know right now, but I, when I walked in, I talked with the lady for about 30 minutes. The husband was out working, and I said this. I said, I may not see you again until I check out. I don't know. And they put me in an upper room. I was like, oh. Great. I loved it. I went up there. I did not leave that room. It was completely self-contained. I did, actually, I came down and had coffee twice. All right, so, but besides that, I didn't come down. 
And I tell you what, there was no distractions. There was nothing. I, I, I was reading the scripture. I was praying, seeking God's wisdom, and God provided that. And he gave me the needed rest just for my own soul, which is far more important. So here's the first thing I want you to see. Resting together in his presence is one of the greatest gifts you have. Just to sit down in his presence, not with all these other things around you or all these people, just being in his presence. I remember when I was in Gilman City, Missouri, a uh, fairly new pastor. I was in seminary at Midwestern, and, um, and one Sunday night, and I had been so busy that week, and I was, I was just needing some stillness, but the, the Lord was kind of talking to me about uh, just resting and being still in his presence. And so I stood up in the pulpit. It was Sunday night service. stood up in the pulpit. They're ready. And I stood there, and I looked at the people in silence for 60 seconds. They told me later they were concerned that I'd forgotten what I was supposed to say. It was just 60 seconds, but it was the most awkward time for the people because we always have to have noise and talking. 60 seconds was all that we took just to sit there and, and do nothing. But it was so needed in our lives to pause, to listen, to unplug. Resting, in his, uh, resting together in his presence. I mean, taking times Asking God for the rest and renewal to come into our own hearts, minds, you know, our, our, to, give, to take care of our cares, our worries, our stress. In James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Draw near to me, and he will, deliver, or he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, without Christ, we carry around the weight of our sin. Every one of us are guilty. Every one of us have done things to, to offend uh, the God on high created us, to offend the people we live with, uh, to violate uh, different agreements or whatever. We all have a sin nature we're born with, and we live that sin out. And there's nothing we can do to get rid of the weight of that sin except to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who freely takes it away because of his work on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. But as believers, do you ever encounter that you carry some weight of sin around still? You're still doing some things that you're like, oh man, I'm feeling guilty or I'm just kind of dragging along. You realize that's been paid for and that you ought to just pause and thank the Lord and give him those struggles. I, I'm struggling with, with this temptation. I, I, I keep doing these things. I'm, I'm impatient. I'm, I'm rude. I'm, I, I'm not doing what I ought to be doing. As Paul says in Romans chapter 7, I keep doing what I shouldn't be doing. And I'm not doing what I ought to be doing. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, But therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're still carrying away around the weight of your sin as a believer, realize those have been paid for, and you ought to pause and rest and just give it to them. All those who are heavy laden, it's not just about the good works. A lot of it has to do with the, the, the sin that in, that's entangling us. We need to just turn it away so we can run the race that's been set for us. Don't carry it on. Perhaps today you're at the end of your rope and you've been carrying a lot more weight than you need. I just put some of our, our luggage away uh, yesterday in the basement because I'm not going to carry my luggage around forever. I've had it a week. That's enough for me. Some of you are carrying around uh, weights all the time of things that God has already covered and you ought to just rest in his work. Desperate to rest in his presence. Here's the second thing I want you to see in the text. It's resting together in his power. Sometimes we don't rest in his presence because we don't think he's powerful enough to carry the burdens that we have. 
We're overloaded and we're trying to control too much of our lives and, and, and we act as if everything depends on us. Let me just tell you and look you right in the eyeballs, the world does not depend on you. If you were to take a, a month off, the world would continue to run. Every one of us will breathe our last someday. And I know we think everything's dependent upon us. And it, certainly we play a, a vital part as God has placed us in this. But you know what? The world will go on when we pass. It's that we do the best we can with what God has given us and directed us, but realize that we don't have to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. We just trust the Lord to do His work through us. You know, in Ephesians chapter 2, we just read this just a moment ago, but verse 10 says that we are His workmanship to do the things He's called us to do. That's my paraphrase, but to do it. But it's His power and strength, not ours. Sometimes God calls you to do something far greater than you can ever imagine. You go, I can't do that. And you're right, but God can do it through you, and we must depend upon his strength daily. Even to get up in the morning sometimes, you need God's strength. Resting together in his power. You notice what he says in verse 29? Take my yoke upon you. You know, with farm oxen, a farmer would put a yoke, this, this you know, big part over his neck, so that he could pull the plow. All right, so you got a, a, an ox with a, with a yoke. And when Jesus says, and I was reading this in, in, in some history books uh, of how farmers did when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's not saying, hey, look, I'm going to take a yoke off and put more burden on you. You know what he's saying here? It's when you were training a younger ox who had a lot of strength, but not necessarily a direction to go, they would put an older ox right next to him and put a, uh, I'm going to call it a double yoke. They put the, the yoke on them to connect them, and they would walk together. You ever seen this? Because there's great work to be done. The mature uh, ox would stand next to the younger ox and carry the yoke together. And I love that picture, thinking about a Christian. We are not called to him to go on our own. We're called to work with him. Take Jesus' yoke upon you, and guess what? He's walking in step with you. He's guiding you the direction you ought to go, and you're not carrying the weight on your own. It's he that's carrying the weight with you. Some of you have forgotten that, I believe. You think you're carrying the whole weight of your family, the struggles of your adult children, uh, the, the weight of health of, of, of spouses or even former spouses, and it's just a struggle, and you're carrying it all on your own. You're, you're forgetting that Jesus is right here. He's saying, take my yoke and I'll walk with you, and I'm going to carry it for you. But part of that is surrendering control. If you have your own yoke and you're doing it, you think, I can go in the direction I want, I can do what I think is best. But you know what? If you're under the burden of all of that, Jesus is saying, come over here, take my yoke, we're going to walk together, I'll carry it. But then you have to surrender control because it'll be the direction that I desire that's best for you. I wonder what areas in your life are the hardest to give up control. Some of your A-type personalities, anybody willing to admit that? You like to make all the decisions, you like to, you know, if I'm under control, then everything's going to be good. And it falls apart. One of my favorite movies of all time is Rudy. Anybody a Rudy fan? I've got a, in one of the boxes, I've got a picture of Rudy. He signed it. Uh, one of my friends was at an event where he was at, the real Rudy, Rudiger. And, uh, and, and, and my friend didn't even like Rudy, but he knew I did. So when he met him, he said, I got a friend named Chris, and would you just sign a picture for him and give it to him? So I've got that, and I'll put it up on my wall. But uh, I love Rudy. I just love the, the, the work ethic of Rudy. 
But one of the, uh, the, the best quotes in the entire movie is when Rudy is sitting in a chapel, not too diff- different than this one. It was a Catholic chapel, of course, but he's sitting in the chapel, and he's talking to the chapel. He's like, man, I've done everything. I've, I've, I've prayed, and I've done this, and I've done this, and all these things. And the priest turns around and looks at him and says, just listen, there's only two things in life I've learned. One, there is a God. Two, I'm not him. Meaning, you know what? I trust that there's a God who's all-powerful, all-controlling, all-knowing, and he can handle everything. And the second thing is, I'm not him. I must just trust him. This is where resting in his power, not our own strength, comes in. God answers in his time, in his ways. Here's the, the third observation in the text is this, resting together in his priorities. When we Sometimes we're most exhausted spiritually, mentally, physically. It's because we're going in a direction that uh, we're, we're fighting against something and against a direction that we're not to go anyway. When we rest together in his priorities, things begin to fall into place. I want you to look at this. In the text it says, And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Second time he's talking about rest for our souls. How does rest come from our souls? First, we come to him. Second thing, we need to learn from him. Gentle, lowly in heart, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. See, Jesus modeled how to live a life of purpose and peace rather than pressures and anxiety. I want you to observe how he lived. That's what he's telling you. Watch me. And the only way we can do watching him is to to read the scriptures to see what he did. He was never in a hurry. Remember when his friend Lazarus had died? You know, they told him he was sick. Jesus showed up four days later. Lazarus had been dead for, for a few days then. Like, if you would have been here, things would have been different. Jesus wasn't in a hurry. Why? Because he was the resurrection of life. He was going to raise him from the dead. Jesus always showed up on time, not on our time. After coming to Jesus for rest and because of the carrying the weight of our own shoulders, when we give up control and we focus on, on his strength and not our own, we learn to sit at his feet like Mary did and not Martha. We get real busy like Martha, working really hard when we ought to be just sit in his presence like Mary and learn from him. And learning takes time. This is the frustrating thing about any student. We want to learn it now. Is there a 30-minute crash course that we can do? Is there a 30 days to success book or a dummies book that we can learn from? Is there a wonder pill that we can have to learn from Jesus? Nope. Lifetime learning is the journey. I want you to notice the characteristics here as we embrace a new mindset. I want you to learn. What what does he say here? I am gentle and lowly in heart. This is what we need to learn. One day, one step at a time, gentle and lowly which is the opposite of aggression and arrogance. Gentle. We take just smooth steps going the direction he called us. We don't have to run over everybody to get what we think needs to be accomplished. And lowly, humble. Arrogance says, it's about me. That's why we get frustrated when not everybody agrees with that. You ever been talking to your spouse and had a great idea, but they didn't believe that was the greatest idea in the world? And you got a little arrogant and tried to push your way through something? Perhaps you've done that at work? Jesus says, watch me. I'm not going to be aggressive. I'm not going to be arrogant. I am humble. 
Depression and arrogance is the enemy of the sin within. We need to repeal and replace our arrogance and our aggression by embracing Jesus and learning gentleness and humility. Aggression is driven by a lack of patience, not considering steps, not considering the consequences, not considering how this affects other people. Arrogance is pride of of self, pride of accomplishments, pride of success. You know, when Jesus was on earth, he was fully man, fully God. But Philippians chapter 2 tells us he humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant. He also said, I only do what the Father tells me. Oh, that would be great for all the Christians in the world to say, I only do what God tells me. Pretty minimalist, minimalistic lifestyle. Just do what God desires. Or as uh, Matthew chapter 6, 33 reminds us, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Everything else will be taken care of. That's my paraphrase. We are better together as believers And we are better when we learn to rest together in His presence, in His power, and in His priorities. Some of you this week, tomorrow, how many of you do not have any class to go to tomorrow? You have no work to go to tomorrow. Anybody? Embrace that. Rest. Don't try to accomplish the world. Rest in it and spend some time trusting in Jesus and and drawing a, a, a large drink from Him to replenish your soul. You have a sabbatical tomorrow, a Sabbath. Take it if you can. If it can't be tomorrow, find a day in the next seven days that you can have some.